When a sinner is saved by the grace of God, Scripture teaches that they receive the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So, I have a question. Do they receive the fullness of the Spirit at that moment, or do they receive only the saving part and must receive the fullness part at another time? Well, this whole issue is known as the second blessing. And that's the focus for this week as we deal with questions for the pastor. It's Wednesday, October the 18th, 2023, and this is your Midweek Connection. always, I, I share the week's announcements first, and so I have four this week. Number one, Operation Christmas Child kicks off this Sunday, and for us as a church, it's our 25th year of participation. Now, we're going to have a promotional video at the beginning of our gathering, and following the gathering, uh, Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes will be available in the Mission Cafe for you to pick up. Now, everything you need to know about participating will be included on an instruction sheet that will be in the box for you to pick up. Uh, this year, our goal is 500 boxes, and I am trusting that we're going to meet that and beat that. If you have questions, you can connect with Miss Tracy, Miss Laura, Miss Jessica, or Mary Tesser this coming Sunday at the table. Okay. Number two, chairs in the worship center. Now this Sunday, you're gonna find just a little different configuration of chairs in the last two rows in the middle section of the worship center. You know how we have two uh, sections there in the middle and two on the sides. Well, I'm talking about the middle section, the two there, and the last two rows uh, of that middle section. Now, those last two rows, are quite long and, and the number of seats that are is there. And with the handicapped seating at each end of those rows, it can be kind of challenging sometimes to make your way through to a seat after the service gets started. So we're going to be removing two chairs from the middle of the last two rows. Two chairs from the middle of the last two rows. And that's going to create a, a middle entry or exit point for those two rows that should improve the access uh, to the seating. So I just wanted to let you know about that so that when you come in on Sunday and you see two chairs missing from two rows in the middle, you won't think, oh, somebody forgot to put chairs there and then go and grab a chair and put it there to try to fix the perceived problem, okay? I just want you to know we're planning that on purpose and hoping that it will help uh, with just the um, moving around and uh, people getting seats. Number three, marriage class. Uh, Pastor Brad is offering a class on the topic of marriage beginning on Sunday, November the 19th. And the class will meet in the community room from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. And Paul David Tripp will be the teacher via digital media. That's exciting. He's a great teacher. 
deadline to register for the class is Sunday, November uh, the 5th. And so you can register this Friday through the email blast. And parents, uh, child care is provided for those who need it. We just need to know in advance that you need that. Number four, one of our members, L.J. Dinadale, is now with her Lord in heaven. And so visitation will be held at Memorial Services of Iowa in North Ankeny tomorrow, October the 19th from 5 to 7 p.m. A celebration of life service will be held in the uh, Mission Church Worship Center on Friday, October the 20th at 11 a.m. And a luncheon is going to follow the service. So I just ask that you please keep the Denadel family in your prayers as they celebrate her life but grieve her loss. Well, those are the announcements for the week. Now, I invite you to join me for this week's question for the pastor. Well, recently I spent four weeks dealing with a question about tongues and interpretation of tongues. Same person who asked that question asked a follow-up question about the Holy Spirit. The question is, do we, that is Christians, need another baptism of the Spirit like what happened in Acts chapter 2? Well, there are at least three denominations and or Christian groups who teach what is commonly referred to as the second blessing. Those groups would be the Holiness Group, the Pentecostals, and the Charismatics. Now, the second blessing teaching holds to the idea that when a person is saved, comes to faith in Jesus, they receive only the blessing of the Spirit pertaining to salvation. That is to say that the person's sins are forgiven, they belong to Christ, and they will go to heaven when they die, provided that they do not sin and fail to repent to renew their right standing with God. You see, these groups tend to teach that one's salvation is not secure, but subject to their ability to live right and or to properly repent to renew salvation's forgiveness when they falter. So, the first blessing in their doctrine is salvation. Once saved, they teach that the believer needs to seek a second blessing, which I'll call uh, the fullness of the Spirit. They call it receiving the baptism of the Spirit. The question on the table is, does a redeemed sinner receive the fullness of the Spirit when they're saved, or do they need to pursue the fullness of the Spirit as a second blessing or as a second work of the Holy Spirit? Now, when I study the Scripture, I find no Scripture that teaches or even suggests a second work or blessing of the Spirit. And quite frankly, those who teach it do not do so based on Scripture, but really on their experiences and a confusion of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit mean. So let's begin with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is synonymous with saving grace. In other words, when a sinner repents and embraces Jesus as their Savior, 
They are baptized spiritually by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. In his letter to the believers in Ephesus, the Apostle Paul said, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. So, in this passage, we find one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father. The reference to one baptism there is not a reference to water baptism, which is a believer's public identification with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Rather, it is a reference to the work of the Holy Spirit, wherein He spiritually, not physically, baptizes you into Jesus. You say, what does that mean? Well, follow along. Baptism means to immerse. It means to submerge. It means to place one thing into another so that the other completely and totally surrounds and infuses the thing being immersed. The Greek word is baptizo, and that is the word from which we get our English word baptize. And it's not a religious word. It's actually taken from the cloth dyeing industry. Now, in the cloth dyeing industry, they will take a piece of cloth, and let's assume that it's white, and they will baptize or immerse it into the dye. And when that happens, every part of the cloth is completely surrounded by the dye. And even more, the dye infuses itself into the cloth so that the cloth is no longer what it was, but is new according to the color of the dye. And this is what the Holy Spirit does to a sinner who is being saved. He baptizes, he immerses that one into Christ so that Christ now surrounds every part and infuses himself to the entire being, both inside and out, of the person being saved. And that's what Paul means when in his letters he says, in Christ. He says it all the time. He's in Christ. Other people are in Christ. The Christian is in Christ. How are we in Christ? We are in Christ because we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, notice this, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Verse 4, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now again, this baptism that Paul is referring to is not 
uh, that of water baptism, which is purely symbolic of one's faith and identification with Christ. But rather, he is referring to a very real work of the Holy Spirit, wherein he takes a sinner who belongs to the world and its condemnation in sin and immersing them into Christ so that while they still live in the world, they are no longer of the world, but are now in Christ. It's the baptism of the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, before I was in Christ, I stood continually in the condemnation of my sin because I was standing outside of the only means by which uh, that condemnation can be lifted. I was standing outside of Jesus Christ. But once I am saved, I am in Christ. I now stand without condemnation because the death and resurrection of Christ dealt with my sin and being in him, God sees me through Jesus' sacrifice and subsequent resurrection. Therefore, there is no more condemnation because I am in Christ. And this is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. It's about being removed from the condemnation of sin, which is outside of Christ, to be set free from that condemnation because I am now in Christ. So, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is synonymous with salvation, and it takes place only once. And through that, I receive the full indwelling and power of the Holy Spirit to begin my journey of being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. So, that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about, a one-time occurrence that brings me into Christ and sets me free from the condemnation of sin. So, being filled with the Spirit, that's different. What is that about? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Through receiving God's saving grace, I receive the fullness of the Spirit into my being. But guess what? The Spirit does not automatically receive the fullness of me for himself. Being filled with the Spirit now is not about me being empty and finding a way to get more of the Spirit in me because I already have all of the Spirit I'm ever going to get. Being filled with the Spirit is part of my sanctification process whereas I grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, I learn to surrender more and more of myself to the leading and control of the Holy Spirit so that He's free to work in and through me for the glory of God and the benefit of others. It's not about getting more of Him but of him getting more of me. Whereas the baptism of the Spirit is a one-time occurrence, being filled with the Spirit is a continual process. Going back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, 
a more accurate translation of the phrase where it says, but be filled with the Spirit, is to say, be being filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-time occurrence, but a continual occurrence where I am releasing myself to the Lord, growing in my ability to live in the Spirit more and more. So, does the Christian need a second blessing, a second move of the Spirit in their life? The answer is no, they do not. There's only one blessing, and that is the blessing of being drawn to Jesus in faith by the Spirit, baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, and being indwelled and empowered by the Spirit to grow in the knowledge and likeness of Jesus Christ so as to surrender more and more of myself to Him, thus living my life in the Spirit under His control and power. I hope that helps. There's so much more that could be said, but instead of a four-week uh, study, I figured I would try to answer that as briefly as I could. Okay. Well, let's take a moment to pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Spirit who takes what Jesus has accomplished through the cross and through his resurrection, and he comes to the sinner, he works on their life, he opens their eyes, he provides the faith they need to believe and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he baptizes us then into Jesus so that we are part of his body. And then he, in his fullness, indwells us and empowers us so that we can grow in the likeness and the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I'm so glad that I don't just receive the Spirit for salvation and then have to go through all kinds of effort to get more of Him. I have all of Him I'm ever going to get, but having all of Him, I must grow up in Christ so that He gets more of me. Help, help me to further understand that and help those who are listening to this further understand that and to realize that there isn't a second blessing as it relates to the Spirit, but one full, all-encompassing blessing that includes our salvation, our sanctification, and our entrance into the presence of you, Lord God, in heaven one day. Father, help us to grasp that and to live it out. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, Sunday, we're going to continue our journey through the seven letters that Jesus dictated to John to give to the seven churches in Asia Minor. Now, this Sunday, we're going to be looking at the church in Pergamum, and that letter you will find in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Whereas the church in Ephesus was known as the loveless church, and the church in Smyrna was known as the persecuted church, the church in Pergamum is known as the compromising church, something we don't want to be, all right? But I look forward to our time together as we unpack that passage. And until then, God bless, and you have a great week.